Welcome to Life Quest Liberty, live in-depth conversations with today's top writers, editors, and spiritual leaders concerning religious freedom around the world. On today's broadcast, we'll examine local and international factors that may be impacting your right to worship and obey God as your conscience dictates. I'm your Life Quest Liberty host, Charles Mills. On today's program, we're going to listen to some voices of religious liberty. The Baptist Joint Committee for Religious Liberty, an education and advocacy organization founded in 1936 and based in Washington, D.C., placed on their website some testimonies made by men and women who witness religious freedom, or lack thereof, firsthand. I contacted the organization and asked if it would be okay if I shared some of those testimonies with you. They graciously agreed. The committee works with Congress and the courts and through educational programs to uphold the historic Baptist principle of religious freedom, protecting both the free exercise of religion for all people and defending against its establishment by government. You can learn more about the committee at bjconline.org. The first voice belongs to Madison McClendon. While pretending to be a pirate on the playground with his elementary school classmates, Madison unearthed a teachable moment. A misunderstanding over an X drawn in the sand illuminated the deep religious differences and convictions of his friends, and a talk with the teacher opened his eyes to the importance of respecting the religious beliefs of other people. Let's listen. Well, I sort of became first aware of the importance of religious liberty and the reality of religious difference when I was in second grade. Uh, I was playing pirates with some friends, um, probably at recess, and I was drawing a treasure map in the sand and making the X marks the spot sort of mark when one of the girls with us got very distraught that I was drawing a cross um, because she said she was Jewish. I laughed, and I told her it was just an X, and she said to go ahead. She seemed all right with that after knowing it was an X. But then later that day, still thinking about her reaction and sort of wanting to tease her, I drew a lot of crosses on a piece of paper and flashed them across the room at her several times until finally she got upset and went and told the teacher. Well, the teacher took me out of the room and got very angry with me, telling me in a quite passionate tone of voice and language about religious harassment, how rude it was, how wrong it was, what would happen if it would continued, and I was just young enough that a trip to the principal's office was truly a mark of ultimate shame. And while although at the time I didn't realize the exact kind of discomfort that this image of a cross, which was to me just sort of normal and ingrained in my faith tradition, to her, my friend might cause her some significant distress. And so the experience of that stuck with me. And it was sort of the first time that I really came to notice that there were differences in people around me when it came to religion. And I was quite lucky to have the fortune of a teacher who didn't tolerate the discrimination, for one thing, but was also willing to sit down and try to teach you know, a second grader who doesn't really get it yet about what differences are and how we should honor each other's differences. That was Madison McClendon remembering a teachable moment on the playground. Next up is Mary Elizabeth Hanshay. During her newborn daughter's fight for her life in the hospital, Mary struck up a friendship with a Muslim mother who was dealing with a similar situation. They shared struggles and experiences in caring for their children while drawing strength from their different religious beliefs. Here's the story in Mary's own words. Our third child, Lucy, was born very ill. 
She spent the first months of her life in the hospital battling fiercely for her life. Those months were difficult. Almost every moment was difficult, and it was our faith that sustained us. Our certainty that God was with us, our belief that God kept us breathing when the next breath seemed impossible, our awareness that a vast community was praying for Lucy and for us, and our claim that God could redeem our lives from the pit, no matter how deep our pit became. I was too exhausted to put words together, and so my prayers were often hymns, words that spilled from deep inside me, words that claimed assurances of God's presence and redemption, words like, Let all that borrow life from thee be ever in thy care, for everywhere that we may be, you, God, are present there. My faith, my prayer, my ability to practice my religion, this was so much a part of my survival and of Lucy's. During those long months, I befriended one of the other mothers in our unit. She wore her head covering, a hijab, and spoke broken English. When her husband was absent, she could barely communicate with the doctors and the nurses. And often alone, she fretted over her infant boy. She was an outsider. She seemed powerless. She was a religious minority. One day when she seemed particularly beside herself, I spoke to her. I called her by name, a name that I had learned to pronounce then, but do not remember now. And I said to her, Allah will protect your son. And she startled. She asked if I were a Muslim. She was surprised that I was willing to speak to her of Allah, but her eyes were full of gratitude. I had honored her faith. Our storylines crossed that night. They crossed in a lonely and frightening reality that no one should ever have to live. Our history, our culture, our family structure, our language, our faith, all of the things that distinguished our experiences met there as we waited with children who were critically and dangerously ill. We met in a pit, but we dreamt together of rescue, of redemption from the pit. And there, as our storylines crossed, I understood that religious liberty and redemption from the pit must be dreamt of together. The pits in this world are many and deep. I witness them every day in my own circles, and the news bears witness to their presence across the world. Divorce and the handing back and forth of children, joblessness and the hopelessness it brings, the death of a baby, infertility that cripples and drains, aggression 
and anger that break relationships, medical crises, acts of violence, pits are everywhere. The reality is that most people will at some time find themselves in a pit from which they must be redeemed. Those in my own faith community will call out to God in the name of Christ Jesus and be sustained by the Holy Spirit. But what about my friend and those like her who live and die among us but are not Christian? The story of this mother in her hijab hovering over her critically ill child a vignette in the reality of our many pits, is important. This story is important because another reality is this. When religious liberty is threatened for some, religious liberty is threatened for all. My own story of redemption and grace, of calling upon God who has the power to save, is threatened every time religious liberty for someone like this mother is threatened. Efforts to institutionalize prayer, to channel government money to religious schools, to legislate a state religion or Bible teaching in the public schools all threaten religious liberty. These efforts threaten this mother, and so they threaten me and they threaten all people of faith. Hmm. That was Mary Elizabeth Hanshay speaking about a moment in time when religious liberty hit very close to home. Our next testimony is a written one that appeared many years ago in the pages of Liberty Magazine. I believe that its message is just as relevant today as it was in 1997 when Beth Wetmore penned the words. Allow me to read them to you. Because I live in the United States, I have always had freedom of religion. I have never had persecution or discrimination force me to consider how important my God is to me. For this reason, religious liberty means very little to me. It was Thomas Paine who, during the American Revolution, said, What we obtain too cheap, we esteem too lightly. It is dearness only that gives everything its value. Though I often don't realize the value of the choices I have, it is a very important part of my life. It means that I can go to church instead of having to worship in a home while hiding from the authorities. It means I can go to a Seventh-day Adventist school where good morals are enforced. It means that when I'm older, I can vote on moral issues in the government instead of having them dictated to me by a controlling church organization. It means that no one can take away my choice to live by God's standards. It means that no one can refuse to give me a job because I worship differently than they do. Perhaps the most noteworthy significance of freedom of religion in my life is that it makes it immeasurably easier for me to make my choice for God. My fears of being different or of being punished or discriminated against might keep me from choosing God if I didn't have religious liberty. Unfortunately, not only can freedom produce churches, It can produce factions in churches and cultish religions. So this liberty, though it is basically good, can be used for malicious purposes. However, does this invalidate the importance of interpreting the Bible individually, the way God leads us to believe? 
In conclusion, no matter who is giving religious liberty, no matter what type of religious liberty it is, it must be cherished and held sacred to each individual. No one should ever stop thanking God for the freedom of choice He gives each and every one of us. That was Beth Wetmore's written voice as it appeared in Liberty Magazine back in 1997. Even more relevant today, I think. I hope you've enjoyed these testimonies. Feel free to visit Liberty Magazine's website at libertymagazine.org. Until next time, this is Charles Mills inviting you to rest in the freedom of God's love. Goodbye, everyone. If you'd like more information about LifeQuest Liberty, call Three Angels Broadcasting Network at 618-627-4651 or email us through our website at 3abn.org. Join us again next week at this same time as we examine more of the threats and challenges facing your religious freedom. May God keep the flames of liberty burning in your heart today. <laughs>